world. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. I say it's all right. Good morning and welcome to another exciting show, Sustainable Living Show, here on WMNF Tampa 88.5, where every Monday at 11, we bring you a conversation with local experts on sustainable issues. Your hosts today are myself, Kenny Coogan, and the wonderful Annie Ellis. Hey, Kenny. Hello, Annie. How was your week? It was great. I finally made it to the Rare Food Council meeting. Uh, it's the, the, always this Sunday, and I never have it in my calendar. So I finally made it. And I was so excited they were going to have an expert on tomatoes. And I'm like, yeah, teach me about tomatoes. And uh, he was ill, so he couldn't be there. But uh, our friend, she showed up and um, talked. Amanda Streets. Yeah, Amanda Streets. She's so great. And she did a, uh, a show on uh, edible uh you know, you don't really want to eat a lot of them, but they're not that good. But they are edible uh, plant materials that are native. Yeah. Uh, so that was really great. And it was good to see her. And she had a lot of plants there. I bought some loofah seeds. Cool. Yeah. It was uh, good to see everybody, too. I went to Orlando to do a plant talk and sale. And then I visited a friend's house. And she had a bunch of perennial edibles that I gave her a couple years ago. Oh, very good. And she wanted me to identify what was edible and what isn't edible. And she had um, blue porter weed, and she goes, "You know, I ate a couple of these leaves, and I don't think it's oh, edible." No. <laughs> it's the flower, yeah. not the leaf. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of horrible. Uh, I wonder what it tasted like. Yeah. Green, something green. People, I used to go to Tanya's house, and she'd hand me this. It was something that she liked, right? And she'd give it to me, and it would be like, "Oh no, that's that's just green." Mm-hmm. I'm just throwing that out. It's not going to be in my palate. <laughs> But you never know. And then yesterday was cloudy at my house, which was exciting because I went in the carnivorous plant garden. Yes. And I trimmed off all the dead stuff. Oh. You know, I gave it a makeover. Right. And do you know who John Kohler is? He's on YouTube. I don't think so. But I've said that before. And then I look <laughs> up the name and I go, oh, yeah, I know that guy. He, so. he has been viewed 117 million times. Wow. He is, I should know it. He has almost 900,000 subscribers. Jeez. And he's all about organic garden. He's been doing it for about 10 years. And one of the things. 10 years only? And he's just no, no, no. many. He's been on YouTube for 10 oh, years. Oh, okay. And uh, one thing that he said many Many years ago, which I took to heart was, if you have like a dead plant or a diseased plant or a bad leaf, you should cut it and get rid of it. Absolutely. Because it just helps your mentality of like, oh, you know, when you're looking at the garden and then you say like, oh man, I'm not doing very good with this plant. And like the reason why I'm so good at growing plants is because I killed a lot. Well, yeah, you know, there's you a learn. lot of experiments. Yeah, you do. You learn from your mistakes, that's for sure. But yeah, I'm. Uh, that's why it's really important to go out there and just you know make a glance and and look at things quickly, you know, through and then deeply when you can, because there's going to be something happening that you don't see and you don't notice it until it's flat on the ground dead. And so if you can nip it in the bud so to speak, yeah. uh, you would be able to remedy that. I wanted to say that that particular uh, plant that she ate the leaf of, that flower tastes like mushrooms. That's right. So good. Yeah, blue porterweed. Blue porterweed. So, yeah, I just was like whittling away. It took, you know, I was out there for three or four hours, but if you have a, even if you have a tiny garden, if you just take care of a little section bit by bit, Oh, that's a good idea. Just sort of designate a space and then yeah. do that one and then move to the next. Yeah. In my mind, it was a Herculean task. But then when I got out there, I was like, oh, this is pretty enjoyable. Well, they say. And then after you 
trim everything, you're like, wow, this looks really nice. Yeah, yeah, you get the payoff. Well, you know, they say you just eat an elephant one bite at a time. That's right. Not that we Veg- eat elephants. Vegetarian elephants. Right. <laughs> elephant <laughs> made out of tofu. Elephant made out of tofu. <laughs> so today we are talking yeah, with this is Justin good. Tramble, Executive Director of the Tampa Bay Water Keepers and Maya Burke, Assistant Director of Tampa Bay Estuary Program. So stay tuned as we promote a balance of people, profit, and planet. Yes, these guys are amazing. And they're in the studio. Yes, live in the studio. It's just unbelievable. I, I've only had two people in the studio <laughs> one time. But we, we enjoy can, it. it. We love it. It's face-to-face. It's always better, always better <laughs> yeah. face-to-face, totally. So, uh, you know, because you can play off of each other much better. It's just great. I'm thrilled that y'all decided to come. I want to talk about you guys a little bit in front of you. Uh-oh. So it's going to be good. Because <laughs> we have their bio, of course, and I want to read to you guys about who they are so you'll have an idea of why we asked them to be on this program because that's they didn't call us we called them so um, and it's because uh, well because they're great so uh, Justin Tramble has served in local government management for over six years, and he's working in various functions. He most recently was the Assistant Parks and Rec- uh, Recreation Director of the City of Treasure Island. Such a beautiful place. Uh, Justin holds a, a Master's in Public Administration from the University of South Florida and a Bachelor of Political Science from Kennesaw State University. Justin recently served as the Secretary of the Angler Action Foundation, previously the Snook and Gamefish Foundation. I love Snook. For five years. Uh, he is a USCG licensed captain, avid angler, and advocate of fisheries and habitat conservation. A Florida native, Justin currently resides in St. Petersburg with his wife, Becca, and daughter, Isla. 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 See, I was going to Isla Medora. That's where I was going with that. And I was like, oh, that is just so you, right? Uh, well, let me introduce Maya. And welcome, both of you, uh, as executive director. Oh, no, I got a little bit more on you. And as ex- executive director of Tampa Bay Waterkeepers, Justin works to improve, protect, and preserve uh, Tampa Bay's watershed through citizen engagement and collaborative community action rooted in science based solutions. And now we're going to talk to the scientist. <laughs> so. I just found out how smart this girl is a little few minutes ago. <laughs> She's awesome. Uh, Maya Burke is the assistant director of the Tampa Bay Estuary Program. She is responsible for strategic planning, grants management, and implementation reporting of the, for the benefit of a healthy bay. She distills Tampa Bay-specific research for a broader audience and facilitates working groups, including the Tampa Bay Nitrogen Management Consortium and the Tampa Bay Climate Science Advisory Panel. Maya has spent more than 15 years working in water resource management and environmental land use planning. And she is so young, too. That's impressive. Uh, Prior to working at the Tampa Bay Estuary Program, Maya worked for the Southwest Florida Water Management District and the Tampa Bay Regional Planning Council. She is a graduate of New College of Florida. Go fighting, Nelset. What is it? We don't have a mascot, oh. so it's a null set. A null set. <laughs> I was wondering. I was, I was like, like, what? What is that? I've never heard of that. As long as they're fighting, I guess. <laughs> and you, she's a native Floridian as well. And we welcome you so much to the program. Thanks Justin. for having it's us. It's a pleasure. So great. And so uh, I have some questions. We have some questions for you. Uh, but uh, one of the... It is funny because we were just talking about this, but my first question is, what is the main pollutant in Tampa Bay? 
formaya. Formaya. Yeah, it's not that exciting, but it's actually nitrogen. Yeah. Uh, it's nitrogen, which is something that is part of our atmosphere. It's part of our bodies. It's something that we all need to live, but too much of a good thing actually isn't good. Mm-hmm. And in Tampa Bay, nitrogen really does drive things like algae blooms um, in our bay. It's sort of the pollutant that made our baby declared dead back in the 1970s. And it's the main thing that we are grappling with today. 1970s it was declared dead yeah we were on 60 minutes it wasn't it wasn't a good news story that many people are familiar with now wow i didn't know that that's i'm so glad it's gotten better thank goodness yeah we're actually known as a success story right absolutely Uh, because of the turnaround yeah yeah wow i'm impressed i had no idea you know, because a lot of times we judge how it is now and how we say bad it is, you know, and, and you know, it could always be better. But I had no idea the comparison. That's that's great. Well, even when I was growing up in the 1980s here, um, the water quality was nowhere near what it is now. So for me, it's been something that it's been formative for me. It's been yeah. something that I've watched improve over my lifetime. Um, and so, you know, I, maybe I look at it with a little bit different lens than, than regular folks that aren't sort of living and breathing this stuff in their day to day work, but the recovery story of Tampa Bay, it really was generated because of, you know, folks like the listeners um, who who saw the Bay decline and were really unhappy with it, and they demanded better from their elected officials. And those, you know, folks getting together, starting a group called Save Our Bay, they lobbied elected officials, and that's really what passed something that is um, has been unique in our area, which was the the Grizzle Fig Act. And what that did was make sure that we treat our wastewater to higher standards than other areas in the state, primarily to remove nitrogen pollution. And those changes really did sort of jumpstart the turnaround that um, that we've been able to enjoy here in Tampa Bay over the last you know three decades or so. And um, I'm just thinking, yeah, the 70s, people really did a lot of stuff like that, right? Uh, a lot. And so now uh, I'm wondering if people are still doing that. Just you just rose that up for me being active yeah well that's kind of i think that's why justin's here yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) Um, wow and actually to that point i'll just say that despite our challenges over the past you know year or two um i think that the history of tampa bay and the fact that we are a success story when you look at the you know grand scheme of things to me it provides a significant amount of hope and it it drives what Mm -hmm. we do as an organization um, and it's a reason why, you know, folks like like the people listening um, can feel like they can get involved and, and actually tangibly make a positive impact because it's been done before, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's you know, results. You can see the results there. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the Bay is resilient. Our watershed's super resilient. Um, so. Yeah. So if we get out of our way. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. That's, isn't that the main thing with Absolutely. everything? Yeah. Right? If we get out of nature's way, nature <laughs> knows what to do. They've been around a lot longer than we have. So they know what to do if we just quit putting our human touch on it. So. Get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Aside, people. That's a George Carlin joke. What? The planet will be fine, but the people will be messed up. Well, they are. Well, not, not all. In the future. See? And that's yeah. true. Yeah, that's true. If well, we don't get busy, they that's will That's the be. triple bottom line, right? Yeah. So when we kind of properly situate ourselves, you know, in the world that we live in, we understand if we protect the planet, that's how we're going to continue to provide for our families 
and that's how we're going to be healthy as people too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's all connected. So. It is yeah. that circle, it, and that's the thing. Is if we quit breaking it, we'll be we'll be okay. Uh, but people have to think before they just do. Uh, so I have a. I wanted to ask this, so I'm just going to go ahead. And where does most of that nitrogen come from? Because there was more to that story than I thought. Yeah, so um, I think, you know, like I was kind of alluding to, what people were really upset about was we used to discharge our wastewater from our, you know, the the water that we flush from our toilets, you know, goes to a wastewater treatment plant. And that water, you know, used to to really be just dumped into our bays and our bay and our waterways. And um, so really wastewater treatment plants were the most significant source of of nitrogen pollution um, back in the day. But after we made those really important investments in upgrading our wastewater treatment infrastructure, Mm -hmm. today more than 60% of the nitrogen that goes into Tampa Bay actually comes, you know, still from you and I, but through non-point source pollution from our stormwater. So things like um, stormwater runoff from our from our yards and our roadways and, you know, all the developed lands that support, that support us here in the watershed. So you're saying um, the stormwater runoff, not necessarily just the grasses and that sort of stuff, but the roads. So... Yeah, absolutely. And and honestly, b- behind stormwater pollution is is um, nitrogen from atmospheric sources. So things that we put in, it's air pollution, essentially. Oh. So things like from the tailpipe of our cars, you know, we have NOx emissions that come out. And that, that, that air pollution ends up falling back down to the bay into, you know, nitrogen pollution that, that can still drive things like algae production in our bay. Wow, that surprised me. I, I really uh, didn't put. As soon as you say it, you you figure it out. You know, you go, oh yeah, tailpipe emissions, uh, uh, air pollution coming back down. Yep. Sure, that makes perfect sense. But my brain, and I'm keyed into this stuff, uh, didn't process that. So uh, reduction of our driving or electric cars or hybrid vehicles, yep. anything like that, is going to be a big help. Just even to our base, which. I don't know. That just did not happen for my brain till you just said it. There's tons of co-benefits to doing those kinds of, you know, small actions. And there's lots of different ways to reduce your nitrogen footprint. When I was teaching on Swan and Hyde Park area, uh-huh, we, would, school? Yeah, we would always go, you know, walk around and we would look at the manholes. Yeah. And it says, like, everything drains to the bay. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, everything drains. Right. Well, they the gave bay. us those because uh, that's where I live in Fancy Town. And so, uh, you know, they gave us these little, it looked like a, uh, a tag for your car. And it was that had the fish on it. And one day I was out there because I was, you know, around. And there was this guy pouring um, his paint residue, uh, a painter that was over there painting his, putting his paint residue in there. And I see a lot of uh, landscapers blowing their grasses from the where they've mowed and all the debris into there. It it surprises me so much every time I see that, and like the, they don't know. It is surprising. And like, it's on there. The things like grass clippings too, I think a lot of people don't, they think, oh, it's, you know, it's part of nature. Organic. So it's fine. Exactly. Yeah, but, but it's really, most of those are sprayed with everything anyway. Yeah, and it can actually drive, you know, as the grasses decompose, not only is it a, a nitrogen load to the bay, but it also can um, also create hits for fecal indicator bacteria, which is something that I know Justin's organization's really, you know, interested in helping people feel safe, knowing where it's safe to swim. And if we're getting lots of lots of decaying plant matter, that's going to make it seem like our ba- beaches aren't safe to swim in. So yep. you want to talk about that, Justin? That's- yeah, yeah. So Tampa Bay Waterkeeper does bi-weekly uh, NRO water quality testing. 
um, in areas that um, a lot of the folks that uh, follow our organization recreate in. So mm-hmm. um, we, what we like to, our goal is to sort of fill the gaps. A lot of the municipalities um, do uh, the intero testing. Um, and so we've sort of taken a holistic approach to figure out where this testing's not really taking place. And we've tried to fill those oh, gaps. Oh, okay, fill the gap, yeah. Yeah, um, it's actually very interesting. We, on Friday, uh, we put out a statement. Um, we had 80% of our sites tested um, above the levels that oh. what the EPA says is safe to, to, to swim in. Um, this is, it's, it's relatively normal to have high levels this time of year. Um, but it's certainly, you know, a reason why we need to continue to have these conversations because we need to figure out how we can mitigate this and lessen the the load. Well, uh, <laughs> that shakes me up a little bit, yeah, it's Justin. A lot, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so you're saying it's oh, it's normal for this time of the year. Is that because of the grass that we were just talking about, or what? Are the people are driving? Well, more? that's why having investing in things like microbial source tracking so that we can better understand what's causing those those hits of fecal indicator bacteria is really important because there's some things that you really probably don't need to worry about. They're not really a threat to human health, like decomposing grass clippings or things like okay. that, or even like birds that are using using those areas. You can get high bacterial counts because of wildlife usage. And that's not something that typically has a lot of disease and crossover that that people need to be worrying about. But if there are things like wastewater spills or if there's pet waste that people aren't picking up after their dogs, those are things where we have lots of interactions. There can be crossover and it's things that we can be susceptible to in terms of getting sick if we recreate in those waters. Yeah, and when I say that this is normal this time of year, mm-hmm. uh, it's just because this is the rainy season. So oh, obviously- right, it's washing it off. Yeah. And it's yeah. hot. And it's hot. It's <laughs> yeah. hot. Oh, so so it's cooking Things more. like to grow when it's hot and wet, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so you had mentioned earlier, I'm just hogging the mic like crazy. Sorry, <laughs> Kenny. Uh, you had mentioned earlier about how um, all these things come together to make these, uh, you know, red tides and all these different algae blooms and so on. So because it's hot, so the temperature then increases that likelihood that that's going to be um, blooming or more intense or or what? Yeah, climate change is another stressor that we have to deal with. It can mean things like the, the nitrogen loads that we've already reduced. We might not be reducing enough because if our growing season is longer, if our rainy season is rainier, and um, these are things that can, like you said, make, our, make an algae bloom um, worse than it maybe would have been historically. And so that means we have to then invest more to control the things that we can control, like how much nutrients we put out into the bay. Um, but yes, temperature is something that can can you know contribute to algae growth, and in our in Tampa Bay. Old Tampa Bay is actually the bay segment that tends to see the worst summertime algae blooms, and it's a species of um, algae called Pyridinium bahamens. If any of the listeners have, oh, let me write that. Down I know, <laughs> but if any of the listeners have, <laughs> there's a lot of people do kayak tours now because it actually bioluminesces, so it glows oh, at night. So they like the way that looks. A lot but of it's people bad... think it's magical, oh, but God. unfortunately, that algae bloom, which is so magical if you you know boat through it at night, is something that's creating a light 
light environment that's really not healthy for our seagrasses. So almost oh. all of the seagrasses we've lost in Tampa Bay have been in that upper bay segment, and it's been because of these summertime algae blooms, which are driven by things like the nutrient loading, the temperature, the rainfall, and then other changes that we've made, like the bridges, which are delivering nitrogen from our tailpipes, as well as slowing down circulation in that bay segment. All right. Now, Maya just mentioned the listeners, so we want to remind people that we're li- they're listening to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5. Yeah, we were just in our bubble, weren't we? Today's <laughs> guests are Justin Tramble, Director of Tampa Bay Water Keepers, and Maya Burke, Assistant Director of Tampa Bay Estuary Programs. If you want to be part of this conversation, give us a call at 813-239-9663. Kiki is ready to answer your calls. Or you can send us an email at dj at wmnf.org, and we will read it on air. So, Do we have any calls or emails or anything? Not yet. We're warming up the listeners. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Jump on it, (laughs) y'all. So I wanted to ask a question uh, because you brought up a thing. You said something about microbial source tracking. I I just got to know what that means. Sometimes I have nerd talk, so it's good good for you to call me on it. I like it. Do you give them like little transmitters? (laughs) (laughs) Little little coats that they wear. It's basically some, some chemistry folks you know, can can go ahead and look and they can basically tease out like what the sources of those are. So is it from something like a bird or is it from a dog or is it from human waste? And there's different techniques that they can do. It's um, like a DNA thing. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. And sometimes you can also look at, see if it has things like um, that are affiliated with humans. Like does it have um, aspartame or Tylenol in it? And if it does, you know that it's probably not a bird that's consuming you know, aspartame or Tylenol. Yeah, so. it didn't, it's, it's a fat <laughs> bird with a big head. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, so we're already halfway through the show, but I wanted to I ask... I can't believe it. I wanted to ask Maya, so you're the assistant director of the Tampa Bay Estuary Program. Can you define what an estuary is? And yeah, once you do that, I want to know, are you more interested in freshwater, brackish water, saltwater? Is it all connected? Like for you specifically, is it all connected? Yeah. So estuaries, I think the simplest way to describe it is it's where rivers meet the sea. Um, And so if you want to know if I'm interested in freshwater, brackish water, or salty water, I'm interested in all of it. Um, I did start my career working largely in upland and freshwater wetland habitats and with like our rivers and things like that. Um, But I'm... uh, you know, I'm a Pinellas County girl, born and raised. I was, I grew up on St. Joseph Sound in the Gulf of Mexico. And so um, seeing where all these things kind of combine together and create these really productive places is something that is really interesting to me. And I think that, again, we're kind of talking about whole systems and things yeah. like that. It's important to know that like what happens, you know, out in Lakeland or, you know, in the Green Swamp by Dade City, all of that really does have an effect on what we see, not just in Tampa Bay, but in the Gulf of Mexico too. I was talking to Justin before the show, and as we all know, I love carnivorous plants, and the number one problem, the global problem for bladder warts, which are utricularia, is the eutrophication of their water bodies, so like too many nutrients, and then it causes algae blooms, and that's like the start, and then it just trickles down into the ocean. We do have one caller. We have Michael from St. Pete. Hi, Michael. Welcome to the show. We're doing Good. great. Thank you. Great. Did you want to talk um, about the power plant? Yeah, about the mercury, coal burning, no scrubbers, and it looks like Los Angeles some days in Tampa Bay now, which is pretty amazing to me. I'm from California originally, and it's 
it's humbling what the air quality has changed since I've been here since 2004. And you can see the power, you can see the point source, it's right there at the, at the plant itself on some days. Do you have some question about it or? Yeah, what, is there anything being done with the plant? <coughs> Are they upgrading? Are they putting scrubbers on it? Are they going to close it down? Maya's over here shaking her head, yes, but we're on radio. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was, just waiting, I was just waiting to make sure I heard the whole question. So they have actually done a lot of improvements, installing scrubbers, and you know done a lot of important work to reduce um, the, the pollution that comes out of the stacks from all of the power plants that are generating electricity for our region. Um, but certainly as, as more people move to the Bay and more power is consumed, um, you know, that's something that we continue to have to sort of think about and, and keep up with in terms of making sure that our air is as clean as it can be. Um, I think most of the power plants in the region are moving away from coal. Um, so, so I do think that there is um, some important progress that has been made and is still being made in terms of making sure that our air quality is where it needs to be here in the region. Uh-huh. And now... Um with the growth that's over on the uh, over in the East Bay, um, I know we've referred to you know, the the St. Petersburg area as the San Francisco on the East Coast, and we're looking at Oakland and Berkeley across the Bay. That's going to be like that in the next ten years. The way development's going on that side, I, I mean, it's humbling what the growth is there. I mean, it's like thirty percent more than it is on on this side of the Bay. Yeah. Real estate's less expensive over there. Yeah, it's insane. It's, and, and, there's, and the infrastructures aren't being built. It's not, the roads are too small, and there's not many waste treatment plants being built. You know, what are, not, what are we to do? Not to mention the habitat loss. I mean, we, oh, just, we, just, wrapped, we just wrapped up our um, habitat master plan um, a couple years ago, and you know, I think the key takeaways there is that we're, we're gaining developed lands, and we're gaining them at the expense of things like native coastal uplands and freshwater wetlands. Yeah. And these are yeah. the kinds of things that uh, really do help clean the water before it goes down to the bay, you know, where people you know, fish to feed their families or fish for a living. Um, and so, yeah, keeping up, that, that's something that we, we need to think about as a region. Well, yeah, and it, it seems like the, the, the planters are not planting native they're plants not. at all. I, they're I not. I've a plant nursery, and I've been in business for like 15 years. And What's your name? I, I'm Michael Manlo. Thank I you, Michael. Yeah. I own Twigs and Leaves, and I do landscaping. Oh, very good. It's all this urban, urban redevelopment, so to speak, but, you know, there's so much fragmentation going on in the state, it's just... It seems like an uphill battle, especially when the housing development are, are 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 working a lot with the Florida friendly industry as opposed to the native industry, mm-hmm. which promotes all that all that all that chemical usage. Well, you know, if you do want to look at the right side of it, though, uh, Michael, is that they never used to look at it. Uh, so right. there is right. that. You know, they are looking at it. Our population is exploding. Um, our uh, The tree protections are, are gone because the right. governor had uh, superimposed his will on top of us. So, you yeah. know, get out there and vote. That's yeah. all I can say. All right. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael, for your so questions much. and comments. So I just got a note saying that I needed to refresh my email and we have like 10 emails and three less Holy callers. Holy yeah. Justin wants to say something I really do. bad. And so I appreciate Michael calling. Yeah. I, I think that that um, is the very reason why we appreciate you having us on this call because mm-hmm. I will say that um, 
in context, folks are moving here, right, because of our water. And that's a big thing that at Tampa Bay Waterkeeper we want to communicate and message. Um, we are try- we're not really going to stop growth and development in Florida, right? We mm-hmm. just have to do it in a smart way. Mm-hmm. And if we can recognize that the reason why we're all coming here is to have these experiences on the water, um, we can protect it. Yeah. I mean, so we have to make sure that as we grow, we're growing it smart. Um, and I think that's, you know, so that conversation that, you know, he called in, that, that Michael. conversation, Michael called in, that conversation should be happening at the restaurants, at the bars, at, you know, yeah. with your friends, with your family. Everywhere. Yeah. And, right. and we've done it before. You know, we've more than doubled our population over the 30 years that the estuary program's been in existence, but we've held the line on nitrogen mm-hmm. plo- loading to the bay. So, you know, it's possible to, to grow smarter, like we're yeah. talking about. Yeah. Which is why we're a success story, right? Because yeah. we're an urbanized estuary. Right. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. So and sure. then, and we are not going to change being an urbanized estuary. That's no. the thing. It's like we definitely have to find solutions. And so right. Kenny's got a ton yes. over there on the boards. I uh, sorry that I did not refresh the email earlier. Yeah. <laughs> we know. All right. So one, um, somebody sent us a text message and they said for Justin, who is the executive director of the Tampa Bay Water Keepers, what programs are you going to be offering for the youth? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, We are in the process of creating a junior ambassador program. Um, We're going to model it after uh, Miami Waterkeeper, which is a successful organization, obviously, in Miami. Um, And they have done a tremendous job um, really growing uh, advocates out of young kids that are interested in being out on the water. um, And they ultimately grow up to protect it, right? And so we're trying to model that. Now, in you know, full disclosure, I just started in April and our organization has grown significantly prior to Good me. Good job, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're just not there with some of our programming. We've got a lot of fun, exciting things uh, ready to um, come out soon. And so... Of certainly youth programming is one of them. All right, very good. So I'm going to take a couple of calls and then we'll go back to the email. So first we'll take Doug in Clearwater. Hi, Doug. What do you have to talk hey. about the estuaries and the bay? Uh, I just have you know, uh, a few, uh, I don't know how long ago it was, but um, the uh, phosphate stacks collapsed and fell into the bay. And our great governor, Santos, <laughs> <laughs> came down and pounded his chest and said, we're going to change things. Has he done anything there have been significant activities that have gone on towards the full and final closure of the Piney Point gypsum stack um, for that facility. Unfortunately, it's a really slow process because there's a significant amount of polluted water out there. Um, so the the plan, the closure plan that has been um, approved by the state is essentially to uh, to drill a deep water well injection system and inject the treated wastewater uh, down that injection well. Oh, that scares me well, so much. I love your, I love your, uh, I love your knowledge, and I understand there are not easy solutions no. to problems, but when, look, I don't like Governor DeSantis, 
That's all I got. That's okay. Don't have to be sorry to me. <laughs> to, to me, I think like the the thing with environmental uh, decision making is that we we all we all do have a footprint, whatever that is, yeah. and none of the choices are really easy because you know there the, these things are associated with the human condition. Well, all we can do is you know our best, and we can have real conversations about what our best really looks like. And mm-hmm. so, you know, there's a reason Piney Point sat around for for decades, uh, not fully closed, and it's because all of the solutions were really expensive and none of them were ideal. We're at least now at a place where we're having real conversations about what we want um, out of that closure, the closure of that facility. And I think that like from us, from a civil society perspective, that's really an important place to be. So, you know, I hear what the caller is saying and, you know, I'm sure we all, we all have opinions on what to do at Piney Point. Thank you, Doug, for calling in. Okay. I just want to say, you know, there's a way to handle this thing, and it is you hold companies accountable mm-hmm. before they ever get to create. Where they get there, yep. Yeah. We're in total agreement. Thank you for calling and sharing what your, uh, your thoughts are yes. on that. All right, so we have one more caller, and then uh, Annie has a couple of questions. So the first caller is uh, Neil, and he has a question about the pollution in the bridges. Hi, Neil. Hello. Um, you may know that we're we're starting a program to repurpose the northbound uh, Howard Franklin Bridge instead of spending $35 million to demolish a $300 million asset that can be converted to a net zero bridge. Uh-huh. But in doing all our research, we've, we discovered that the new bridge, the eight-lane bridge, um, will pollute the bay. In other words, they did not design a system to recover pollution off the bridge. And we mm-hmm. think that is really a sorry thing to happen. But it happened, and, right? Yes, so the bridge is almost finished. So oh, no, now it won't be no, it won't be finished until twenty twenty five. Right. Late twenty twenty five. And when that happens they plan to then demolish the other bridge. But what's interesting is the opportunity because the new bridge is higher than the middle bridge and the bridge that we hope to repurpose and net zero is the lowest bridge. So you can gravity feed all the water from the bridges uh, to one bridge where our bridge, the uh, repurposed bridge, comes Thank you. Thank you so much for all that. Um, I really appreciate your sharing that information. It's uh, power. uh, Knowledge is power for sure. Yeah. For these bridges that are that are crossing our bay. Thank you for calling. If if we want to see the infrastructure look different, I do think we need to, you know, all make sure our voices are heard in terms of communicating with the Florida Department of Transportation to make sure that all these bridges are as bay friendly as they possibly can be. Yeah. So, So we do have a couple more emails. One of them is from Victoria. And uh, Justin, you can answer this. She wants to know specifically about Indian shores, but I'll open it up to all of our Tampa Bay. Is it safe to swim in and are the fish safe to eat based on current conditions? Well, I don't know what the current conditions are at this very moment. I would encourage um, Victoria to uh, hop onto the Tampa Bay Waterkeeper um, swim guide app. You can find that at tampabaywaterkeeper.org under our water quality programs and you can um, not only see the testing that we do, um, but you can see the testing that all the different municipalities do. We sort of we upload it all into one area 
Um, so I would encourage her to. That's a great resource. That. What's it called? The Tampa Bay Waterkeeper Swim App? Yes, yeah, Swim Guide uh, App is guide. the name of okay. it. Yeah, and cool. you can get there through the Tampa Bay Waterkeeper website. That's great service. Thank and then you. we have another uh, text message. This one's from Bubba. <laughs> He's our regular caller. We love and him. And he said, could your guest speak about the recent local beach shutdowns due to high bacteria levels? I hear the Ricola guy singing E. coli. <laughs> and he says that, he also says that knee. Well, it's not mm, very funny, but you know. <laughs> yeah. E. coli. Yeah. Uh, he says that new college alums are the best. Uh, Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to talk about Well, that? is this the uh, Sarasota beaches? Yeah. Well, that's, that's where most of. Lots of beaches get shut down. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> Yeah, it's just part of the Healthy Beaches program. So it's kind of the same thing that we talked about mm-hmm. earlier with the testing that we do. If the um, anero levels are high, you know, too high, the cities will shut down the um, areas that folks recreate in. So that's what it, that is. Interesting what you said earlier, because that just coincides with if people are moving down here for clean beaches and they're getting mm-hmm. shot, people are, can make a difference and uh, improvements. So that doesn't happen to them because then it becomes personal. Well, and when it becomes personal, people get busy. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, um, and I actually, if you don't mind, I no, want to speak on that for do, please. Um, prior That's why you're to, here. <laughs> prior to this role, I worked for the city of Treasure Island, and everybody knows, I assume, that listens to this show that uh, the city of Treasure Island relies, just like you know, all, most of the state of Florida, on tourism. Yes. Um, while at the city of Treasure Island, you know, we had two significant red tide events, right, that impacted the beaches. Um, Red tide, and I know you know Maya could probably speak a little more on the scientific side of things. The big words, (laughs) (laughs) um, but red tide is a naturally occurring thing. It's been happening for a long time with the additional nutrients that we are putting in the bay, like our human footprint. There seems to be, and you can smack me if I'm wrong here. No hitting. No hitting, but it'll sound good on radio, (laughs) right? (laughs) Um, There seems to be. uh, It's happening more frequently, right? With potentially, I guess, a a higher intensity. Um, And so what I think needs to happen and what Tampa Bay Waterkeeper is all about is making sure that we are communicating what the science is saying, what, you know, the science community is saying, and we're communicating it with the folks that are recreating on the water. The fishing community is a huge part of our, our base. Um, the tourism industry relies on clean water here in Florida. Like you said, no one's going to come here if every single year they watch, you know, national media talk about Ooh. dead fish. That brings us to an email. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. We're going to put the, the toll gate down. Well, and no, it, it, it connects. <laughs> but first, we have a brief message from Bill. Oh, very good. Bill's not here, but he's giving us a message anyway. Do you ever look up at the night sky and see the billions and billions of stars and think to yourself, in the scheme of things, you're mighty insignificant? Well, feel that way no more. Just go to our website, WMNF.org, and click on the tip jar icon at the top left and direct your donation to SUL for Sustainable Living. And by supporting the Sustainable Living Show in WMNF Tampa, you can look anyone directly in their eyes and say, I am significant.
I love that. Very good. So we got a couple more emails, and we have a phone call, which I'll take in just a minute. Okay. But the first uh, email I'll take is from David Bryan, who also participates regularly. Yes. And he says, hi, Annie and Kenny. Hi. I'm worried about the blue-green algae bloom in the Hillsborough River. Why isn't this getting more local news attention? It's very disturbing and concerning. So, Justin and Maya, do you feel that the local news covers our... Our water problems adequately, or you know, we're, we're probably we're probably not the like, You're target. Biased. Yeah, we're not the target demographic <laughs> for answering day, that question right? since we both pay attention to it. Yeah. Um, but I will say I think that something that the water keeper has been really um, you know out there and engaging on is you know getting people to know when these are happening and making sure that when we do have um, these kinds of harmful algae blooms or cyanobacteria blooms occurring that they're properly noticed, whether that's in the public media or in signage at the places. Um, where they've been observed and then also like through things like the swim app consolidating you know this information in a place so people can really be informed and make a judgment call about whether or not it's you know what their what their risk level is and how concerned they really want to be about it and I think we both agree that it's been kind of hard to find that information in a cohesive kind of way so I'll let Justin certainly I mean if if being the executive director of Tampa Bay Waterkeeper if it is difficult for me to find whether or not there's still an active, Ooh, yeah. you know, blue-green algae bloom at um, Maximo Park. In, that's your job. Right? <laughs> yeah. If it's hard for me, you know, what about the family that's bringing their kids out that mm-hmm. this is, they only, you know, they drive over to... Oh, you mean source of information yeah, for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if it's hard for me to find that, and right. this is my job, I can't imagine how hard it is for right, other Right, because we're hooked in to where we have at least an idea of what direction to go in. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just think that it, the the bigger picture is, there, is that there just needs to be a better buy-in, right? Yeah. Not just from local governments, but as a community, the better buy-in to fix some of these issues. In order to fix these issues, we need to be aware that these issues happen. We can't just become numb to it. Um, and I think that's sometimes what happens. I mean, you know, it's, it amazes me that we have some of the, like the blue-green algae. I actually just saw that uh, yesterday, I believe, uh, through a creative loafing advertisement or something, but <laughs> mm-hmm. um, not advertisement, but uh, press release. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, well, that's the first time I've heard about it. <laughs> Um, And so, again, I think it's just it exemplifies why we need to make these things bigger. They need to matter more because how how can we have a higher political will if we don't even know that these things are happening? Yeah. Yeah. So we do have a caller. It's Tom from St. Pete. Thank you, Tom, for holding. Tom, are you there? Uh, Yes, I am. And uh, I am a supporter of the Tampa Bay Waterkeepers. And uh, thank you to uh, Amber Lynn Nicole as well. Um, Say. Uh, I have a pet peeve um, on um, uh, the commercial uh, uh, irrigation. Um, I was a, a, in a, a professional in irrigation in my youth. And uh, there, there's a requirement in the state of Florida that is not enforced, I don't think, ever. Uh, and that is that uh, in the rainy season, uh, commercial properties are required to have a, a automatic uh, rain gauge shutoff. Right. So when we have a big deluge, you don't water your lawn the same day or the next day or, or for a few days until that water evaporates or, or drains down. Uh, and, you know, that is just ignored. Um, I've, I've seen uh, professionals uh, disable those uh, switches. Um, they're they're fail-safe, so all you got to do is unplug them. Um, and uh, it, it's just, I, what I'm wanting to point out is that 
when you water, when you overwater after a rain, you're washing um, more of the fertilizers and nutrients into the bay. Uh, and then um, the ground, the, the grass is depleted of those minerals, and you have to put more fertilizer on. And it's a, a negative uh, feedback loop that uh, we just don't need. Uh, and I, I wonder if uh, if your guest has any opinion on that. And thank you all for the work that you're doing for us. Thank you for calling. Thank in. you, Tom. That's absolutely why we have a summertime fertilizer application ban throughout our region for all the reasons that the caller mentioned. Um, but, but the other thing I think that he mentioned is really important is enforcement. We have these rules and it's up to, you know, the local governments and the state agencies to enforce the rules they have on the books. And that's what we have waterkeeper organizations for. Report them is what I say. <laughs> really? I'm not yeah. kidding. Yeah, um, I think when we were initially talking about this show, we were talking about the Clean Water Act, right? And this is the mm-hmm. 50th Yes, that was actually why I even called you guys, I got to tell you. <laughs> well, everything that we're talking about. It's 50 years old. Yeah, yeah, it falls under this it right, does. big umbrella. Um, but where Tampa Bay Waterkeeper um, has a role here is... You know, folks have worked really hard to create clean water policy. Um, the science is there. The, we know, right, what what is right and what is wrong, I guess, in this Well, sense, some right? people do. Well, if you don't have anybody that's there on the back end to make sure that these uh, rules, policies are being followed, you know, oftentimes these policies will sort of just be put on the back burner because of budget, because of, you know, lots of different reasons. No one's waking up in the morning saying, I want to dump a bunch of wastewater into the bay, or I want to, you know, like my fertilizer, instead of going on my grass, is going to go into a coffee pot. Like, you know, I can't wait. No <laughs> one's doing that. Um, but people, we don't live in like this vacuum, right? So there's all these different things. So what our job is, is to make sure that if folks are intentionally, you know, polluting in a sense that they're not um, you know, addressing the issues that need to be addressed um, were reasonable. But if if there's Clean Water Act violations, Tampa Bay Waterkeeper does litigate. And uh, earlier, Doug had called about the Piney Point, and uh, Maya's 100% right on us just making sure that that facility is closed. It's been years and years and years. But I will say that Tampa Bay Waterkeeper, um, we do have active litigation right now. Um, we have sued... Um, several different entities because of the releases at Piney Point. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one example. We just settled a recent case with the uh, city of Sarasota um, regarding um, wastewater that has been over four or five years, I believe. Um, partially treated uh, wastewater has been dumped into the Manatee River. Um, and um, I actually, I believe it's Manatee County. Um, Bradenton. and Bradenton, yeah. It's a... I felt like it was a puzzle there, <laughs> <laughs> um, but 160 million gallons over the over several oh, my years. Oh lord! Um, and so we've stepped in and we um, we sued. How did y'all find out about that? Just so I know. Well, first of all, it's actually, well, you don't have to tell the guy's it's name. It's <laughs> very depressing. You, I, I assume you're signed up, but uh, every day we get notices uh, when folks when there's pollution, we are notified. Um, it's part of a requirement. And so every day you actually see, um, you know, how much, I guess the, the bigger issue that there's all these, a lot of times they're smaller, but there's issues every single day with, you know, spills and, you know, 
Uh, it's outdated infrastructure is really what it is. So yeah. basically, you're saying that people need to, when they see something, say something. Yeah. So when they see something, if you, you need to contact uh, somebody to let them know uh, what's going on or they can't do anything about it. I mean, we need to report those people at the commercial entities that are having those things uh, spray on at all hours. I know there are people that go out and check that. I know that because I know one of my garden clubs got fined because yeah. they have a well, actually, but it doesn't matter because it's a timer thing. And so, you know, it's uh, it, it, we need to talk about it and we need to talk about it with each other so we can get it to the right people. I think we have a caller. Is that what you're telling me, Kenny? Yes, we do. We have Amy from St. Pete. Hi, Amy. Yeah, hi. Thanks for taking my call. I know there's a limited amount of time left. Um, Thanks for calling. My, my point uh, to talk with you about is grassroots, water keepers, uh, and just doing that not as opposed to becoming um, nonprofit and registering, you know, and get, being able to get those grants. Because you, when you get those grants, whether it's from the city or, or the county or the state or from a commercial company, you're going to be limited in what you can stay cautious about stepping on somebody's toes. And when you stay grassroots and you don't, uh, you know, own, take in that money from organizations other than if they just, you know, give it to you without any bars, you know, I, I think there's unfortunately a certain amount of politics that where some water keepers can't say certain things because they're going to step on certain toes. And that's unfortunate. Yeah, Amy, thank you for that. Um, I will say this. I have a board of 11 individuals that are ridiculously passionate about the Tampa Bay watershed. Um, this is not a left or right issue. This is a Tampa Bay issue. And if it if if we're talking water quality, I can speak you know freely about uh, issues uh, without fear of any political. You know, I don't. Politics doesn't matter to me when we're talking water, and I appreciate that concern. Tampa Bay Waterkeeper is 100% grassroots. Um, we are funded through our membership, through our events. Um, we are certainly looking for grants in terms of how we build out some of our education programming. Um, but we are never going to put, um, you know, our desire to build out those programs in front of our main mission, which is to ensure fishable, swimmable and drinkable water here in Tampa Bay. Well, why don't we pressure these municipalities then on using, stop using herbicides altogether? What, what's the delay on that? Well, I think these are the, it's, there's not really a delay. I think these things take conversation. It takes being able to get at the table. Um, that's what we're working on. I mean, that's a daily thing. It takes getting at the table and having these conversations um, and making sure that it's not just me and my board, you know, wanting these. It's, you know, folks in the specific municipalities showing up at a commission meeting, writing their representative. I mean, coming from a small city, I, the impact of five people to show up to talk about a dog park goes a ridiculously <laughs> it does. long way. It's so a big deal. The right. impact of five times five, you know, folks <laughs> coming right. to talk about water quality and the need to make changes, that goes a long way too. I mean, we're all in the same fight. So Yeah. I appreciate I do appreciate what you're doing. I want to say thank you. Um, but I do think that certain, you know, the municipalities can be an example to residents when we want to put the the uh, Kibosh. on homeowner choices 
homeowners, some are going to choose their green grass over mm-hmm. the weeds. And if you have a municipality that leads the way and, and provide, it says at the park, no, we're not going to do this because it affects your dogs and kids and the quality of the water. We're not going to use Roundup around every tree, around every front. Yeah, that would be, that's wonderful. I love that, and I'm so glad that you called in uh, because it brings it to our attention. Uh, We're just about out of time, um, and I do believe that the more we talk about it, the more people are going to listen. So keep talking, keep talking to everybody you know. Every person that I ever know, I talk about herbicides, pesticides, fertilizers. Thank you, Amy. Thank you. All right, so we do have one last email that I got a half an hour ago, and oh then I will have done, done all of them. Done your job. <laughs> yes. Okay. So this one is from uh, Bev Keeney. She says, hi, Annie and Kenny. Can you ask your knowledgeable guests if there are any organizations that also chuck our aquifer? With Florida water so dependent upon this underwater system, it should also be monitored. We live near the Blue Sink, which flows to Sulphur Springs, and then that goes to the Hillsborough River. The main organizations that are monitoring groundwater quality are the Southwest Florida Water Management District and Tampa Bay Water. Uh, so folks decide whether or not, you know, those are the, those are sources that, that, they, that they trust and that they want to go to. Otherwise, it's something that, uh, you know, there's always room for citizen science and, you know, communities to participate in monitoring those resources on their own, too. How, do they, how would they monitor it on their own? Maya? You know, you can you can get together. You can raise money. You can uh, hire hire consultants oh, to, to install like little tiny monitoring wells, and okay. then you generate your own data in that way too. Oh, good to know. Right. Thank All you. All right, Annie, we got two minutes left for our guests. So, Justin, do you want to just kind of summarize what role do regular people play in the fight for clean water? Yeah, what can we do? What do you want to leave with? Yeah, this is. I get this question, and I love it because it's it's shocking. You know, when I answer it, the such a, in a, such a simple way, the faces of the folks that asked me the question. So um, all you got to do is talk about it. So, and, you know, Annie was saying it too. When people ask me, what can we do? That's all I say. Just talk about it. Educate Just, your neighbor. Yeah, talk yeah. about it. I mean, again, you know, our Tampa Bay Waterkeeper's role is communicating. Um, that That's what we are simplifying, what our role is, right? Um, so... That is what I think we all need to do. As a community, it just needs to be a community conversation, elevated, because that will in turn become political will. We Very just good. Talk about all right, Maya, you Maya? got 30 seconds. Do you have any other? Uh... Don't apply fertilizer in your lawn in the summertime. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> drive, drive more efficient vehicles and make sure that your own pipes in your own home for your wastewater are intact and in, in, in proper shape. Perfect. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, thank You're you a wonderful very much. Guest. You really were. I wish we had another hour. We have lots more questions. <laughs> we, we hit the first page of questions and the rest of it was just ad-lib. All right, Annie, you want to read the closing remarks? But first, we want to thank Kiki for answering the phones and Greg for working the boards. Oh, thank you so much for it. You know, you guys are the best. If you enjoyed this show and our weekly content, please consider going to WMNF.org, donating through the tip jar, and directing your donations to the Sustainable Living Show. Your donation helps keep us on air. Stick around for the next hour to hear WMNF's Tampa's Monday Music with Flea. If you want to hear more public interest programming, you can switch over to WMNF's HD3 channel, The Source, to listen to today's Tom, Tom Hartman Show live. Tune in next Monday morning at 11 for the next Sustainable Living Show, where we will be talking with Catherine Campbell on commercial urban agriculture in Florida and their needs, opportunities, and barriers. 
Follow our Facebook page, Sustainable Living WMNF, to stay in the loop. I am Kenny Coogan. And I am Annie Ellis. Remember, if you're looking for someone to save the world, look in the mirror. Bye. And get rid of the grass in your yard. (laughs) 